If you would open your Bibles, I'm going to just bring one uh, quick little verse to us this morning, and uh, this verse will be the sort of the launch point for us. You know, I realized as I was getting ready for this week uh, and getting ready for this interview with them and thinking about our theme of being available, I realized that I've done a lot of talking about what it looks like to be available in Scripture, and I've done a lot of maybe showing it to you up here. Hopefully that's been helpful to you. But uh, maybe something I haven't done so much about that I want to just cover real quickly today is to talk a bit about the why behind being available. And that's kind of why I asked them the question at the end. Why should we make ourselves available? What's the purpose behind it? Or what's the rationale for us? Because as I said in, in, when I just did a little brief introduction before I had them come up here, is that um, we, know we all have things that we have in mind to do in our lives, right? We all have plans that we make, and we all have, we all have things that we've decided to do and how to, how to go about them and things we want to accomplish for ourselves. And again, none of those things are always the bad things. Hopefully many of them are actually according to what we think God is saying. But at the end, if you recall what God's words were to King Saul, what did he say? As Saul was beginning to drift away from God, as Saul was beginning to disobey God and do what he wanted to do, even though he thought it might be according to what God was planning, God said through Samuel these words. Now, that's not what the verse is, but God said through Samuel these words. He said, I want Saul to know that to obey is better than sacrifice. Right? If I could sort of paraphrase that, now forgive me if this is a little loose here, but for you to be available to me, God says, is better than for you to do all the things you think I might want you to do. But there remains the question, why? And there's a fantastic verse. Now, I, I don't like doing things like this because it tears them out of the context of the, of the passage. And you know, if you know me, uh, that's not a good way to really study scripture. Uh, so this morning is not so much a deep study as a, uh, just a sort of a quick touching. Why do we talk about being available? What's the point? What, what's the reason behind that? There's an incredible verse tucked away in the middle of uh, Peter's uh, first letter. Uh, that, well, actually, maybe not in the middle of it, but it's, it's at the beginning of his letter. And he says this to the people of God. He says, once, sorry, let me, uh, let me I, I just uh, chose the number, verse 10. I didn't choose uh, verse 9. Uh, verse uh, 10, I'm sorry, verse 9, if I get the right verse to you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The worst I started saying at the beginning, I'll just say it for you since I've, I started saying it so you're not all confused. He says in verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I can tell you that most times when we talk about this kind of verse, we look at this verse and we immediately start thinking about this amazing stuff that is contained in this verse for us, Right? Look at what it says. He says, you are a chosen race. Now, of course, if you're speaking to people who might have been Jewish at some point, this is, a really, this is a really key little point to bring out. I don't have time to dig into all this stuff. But if you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood. Look at those words. Listen to those words for a bit. You're a royal priesthood. The priests are those who are the ones who are the intermediaries in the Old Testament between God and man. They're the ones who give their lives in service to God. They don't own land, they don't have other jobs, but their job is to minister to God. And God said, I'll take care of you. He said, you're a royal, all of you, you're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a nation set apart. You're a people of his possession. Now that literally translated is, you are a purchased people. He paid for you. These are wonderful words, right? They should be. These are phrases that for us should just take us and say, this is how important you and I are to God. 
This is how much he loves you. But I want to tell you today, when we almost always take this verse and immediately jump into all the incredible benefits for us, we're missing the why behind being available to him. Notice the part that we don't usually focus on. I'm going to emphasize it this morning for you. Why? Why did God make you a royal priesthood? Why did he make you a holy nation? Why did he purchase you? Why did he say that you are a chosen race, that you were set apart? Why all of those things? You read it. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Once again, let me translate that for us. All the wonderful things that God did for you. He brought you out of darkness into light. He rescued you from the dominion of Satan. He brought you into a place of freedom. He gave you these incredible gifts of his Holy Spirit and things that his Spirit leads you to do. He gave you the gift of the church. He made so that you are part of this incredible thing that he's doing. And all of that is for one reason. So that you may proclaim how amazing he is. So that you may give glory to to him, so that you may recognize in yourself and with others, it is him who has done these things. Pablo, you said it a couple times over and over again. It's like, I've done nothing. Actually, that's entirely true according to scripture. You have done nothing. Now, we help God, right? And, he, and Paul says that. He says, I, I work out with fear and trembling my own salvation according to the grace that God has given me. So it's not that it's no, with no effort on our parts as we participate in what God is doing. But we're taking a step back and saying, before that, we did nothing. I'm not so convinced, by the way, that most of us are willing to agree with Scripture on this point. That the primary reason God redeemed us through Jesus Christ is so that He gets the glory. Because many times we're still stuck in this place where we think, and I, I want to be careful with this because I don't want to ding in any way how much you think God loves you because I can tell you God loves you far more than you can even conceive of. But I still come back and say as much as incredible as God's love for you, as, as great as that love is, as much as we can't even fathom it, that it is still superseded, that he still did not, how do I say this? The primary purpose was still not just because you're such a great person that he loves you so much that he had to save you. He saved and redeemed us and purchased us and brought us into a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people set apart for him so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him, that we might reflect his glory. By the way, just a couple of verses later, this comes out clearly because he says this. Peter says, by the way, keep your conduct among the Gentiles, those who don't know Jesus yet, those who are outside of, of this royal priesthood. Keep your conduct among them honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, the good things you're doing, and do what? Talk about how an incredible person you are. Talk about how amazing you must be that you, even though that they think you're crazy and they're speaking bad about you, that you're still being good and kind and nice to them so that they look at you and give you glory? No, so that they glorify God on that day, on the day of visitation. And if those words sound familiar, they ought to because our Lord and Savior Jesus said those exact same words, by the way. Let me just read them for you from Matthew. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you, we, we are the light of the, of the world. Boy, that's an incredible phrase, by the way. That's being lifted up. He says, you, you and I, we are the light of the world. We are the thing that he wants to put out there that everybody looks at. And he says, you set, a city that's set on a hill can't be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put a basket over it. But they, but they put it on a stand so it gives light to all the house. You are the light of the world. But then he says this. This is in verse 16. In the same way, I'll put it up here in case you're not following along in the Bible there. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And here's the why. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There's a reason Peter wrote the words he did, right? Of course, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But he was writing the words that his own Savior said. You're the light. God says, I want people to look at you and see the good things about me in them. You're the light. I want you to be lifted up so that people see everything that you're doing. But don't ever make the mistake that the light is what they're supposed to be talking about. You meaning that. But the real light, the true light, and Jesus said those words too. I am the true light. I'm the light of the world. Those who follow me will never walk in darkness. He said, I want that to point to me. I want you to do good works. I want you to do good things. I want people to, to recognize what, what an incredible thing I'm doing in you. But when they do that, I don't want you to get the glory for that. I want me to get the glory for that, God says. Here's the real question, because this is really where it's going to come down to. This, the crux of availability, whether you're going to make yourself available to God, is probably at the end, at some level, going to come down to that. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with giving your whole life and working hard and letting people see all the great things you're doing and not ever giving you the glory for it, but giving it to God? Are you okay with that? Because if you're not, if I'm not, we will probably not make ourselves very available to Him. Ever. Only when we get the why behind it. Only when we recognize that everything I'm doing, everything that is good that is happening in my life that people may see and look at is not because of me. And it's, that means I'm not going to get the glory. I'm not going to get the recognition for it. It has to go to God. And if people try to give it to me, guess what my job is? It's to point them to the right place. It's to say it's not me. I told you we're going to run through this. I want to close with one of my favorite passages from Scripture. I have a lot of those, so it's really not fair of me to say that, but uh, it is one of my favorite passages from Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. And I want us to read, I'm going to read verses. You, you should turn there. If you, if you have a Bible with you, you should turn there because it's a little lengthy section. I'm going to make not a lot of teaching comments. I just want to make a few points out of it to help reinforce what I'm saying this morning. I want us to read this this morning from First Peter, I'm sorry, from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I want us to read it not in our normal way of looking at things, because normally we would look at this text and we would immediately look at all the things that are in this for us. And by the way, there are some really, really, really incredible things in this passage for us. It blows me away. It ought to blow you away as well. But I want us this morning to not necessarily pay so much attention as to what this has to say to us or what is in it for us, but how this reflects on God, what it has to say about God. Let's, let me read this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, from the very beginning, he puts our focus in the right spot, right? Blessed is God. 
God get the focus. God get the glory. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Beloved capitalized meaning Jesus, in Jesus. Verse 7, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Don't you love Paul's incredibly long and convoluted sentences? Verse 11, in him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, third time, verse 13, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, this is one of the most spectacular sections of text for those, those of us who are believers. In, in just these paragraphs, in a couple of sentences, really, because he has really long sentences, in a couple of sentences, Paul describes for us some of the incredible, he summarizes for us what some of the incredible things that God has done for us. That's why he begins by saying, may God be blessed for how he has blessed us. Look at what he has given us. In Jesus, by the way, pay attention to repetition when you have it in Scripture. In Jesus... There's three things he notes that we have when we are in Christ. Now, this is good because we sometimes have to share the gospel with ourselves, right, before we can talk about sharing with others. There's three things he says we have when we are in Christ. In Christ, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, in Christ, we have the forgiveness of our sins. That's the summary. We have the forgiveness of our sins. Verse 11, in Christ, when we're in Christ, we have then also obtained an inheritance. So our sins are forgiven, and then we have an inheritance, that inheritance, of course, is eternal life with Christ someday. Number three, 13, verse 13, in Christ also, when we received that salvation, when we believed in the gospel, not only have we, have we received forgiveness of sins, not only do we know we have an inheritance, but best of all, he says, I have sealed that inheritance by placing my Holy Spirit inside of you. I've said, here's the guarantee. Here's the down payment. Here's the deposit. It's, the real deal is coming someday, but here's the deposit, which is pretty incredible, by the way, because it's the creator of the universe living inside of you. Right? Three things that we've received in Jesus Christ. But as we're looking for things that are repeated, I would call your attention to things that actually get repeated a bit more than that. Because over and over again in this text, Paul draws our attention to where the real, who the real player is here. We get the beneficiary, we're the beneficiaries, we get the, the benefit of all the things that are being talked here. But in the end, he comes back and over and over again, he says, but listen, all of these things are because of God. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's him who chose us. It's him who decided that I want to make these people my sons and daughters. It's, and look at the phrase over and over again. It says, according to the purpose of his will, in verse 5, 
Uh, in verse, uh, he does it, says it again, verse 7, 8, uh, somewhere, verse 10, verse 9, uh, verse 9, which he set it forth according to the, his purpose, the mystery of his will, according to his purpose. He says it again down in verse 11, according to the counsel of his will. Over and over again, he says, all these great things are happening, but it's not because of you, it's because of God. It's according to what he has done, according to his purpose, according to his will. And the other phrase that's repeated, I'm going to highlight up here because it's where we've been at this morning. He says in verse 6, that he did these things, he adopted us as sons and daughters so that it might be to the praise of his glorious grace. You see, he knew that we didn't deserve a bit of what we were going to be getting. Which meant when he said, I'm going to adopt you, I want to adopt you, I want you to make part of you, my family and forgive your sins and give you an inheritance and place this down payment to seal it so that you can get there. I want to do all that, but I want to do it to the praise of my glorious grace. And in fact, he just repeats that because you look again, he says it again in uh, verse 12. He says that those who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And he says it again in verse 14, that, that when we get to our inheritance, when we finally get there, it will be to the praise of his glory. Make no mistake. In the place where God will ultimately dwell and have complete control, the place that we call heaven, it will be for one purpose only, and that will be that he might be glorified for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. That everything that happens at that point from there on, there will be no more stealing any of that glory from him, as is what's happening now. Everything will happen for the praise of his glory. Let's write that backwards here, because for those of us who wish to have that hope, those of us who want to be there someday must adopt that mindset now. This is the reason why you make yourself available to him. Is for the praise of his glory that he might be revealed to the rest of the world for who he really is. The most amazing, the most loving, the most compassionate, the most perfect, the most just, the most holy God. More than we can ever imagine. This is why, I'm going to come back to where we began. This is why Peter says, listen, I have great news for you. You are part of a chosen race. You are part of a holy nation. You are part of a royal priesthood. You are part of a people that have been purchased. You're part of that. It's incredible. Rejoice in that. Freely, gladly come. Surrender and say, I want to be part of that. But you are part of that for a reason. And that reason is so that you might make it your life goal more than any other purpose, more than any other plan, more than any other goal of any kind in your life, that it may be to proclaim the excellencies of the one who's done all this. It can happen. It should happen this week as we talk to 100 plus kids. It should happen whether you may be going across the big pond to someplace far away. It should happen. It does happen. It ought to happen when we say, I'm going to go talk to my neighbor. I'm going to go help the person in need down the road. I'm going to find the person that's hurting, and I'm going to go comfort them. Maybe here, maybe somewhere else. As I work alongside of someone day in and day out every day, and maybe they get on my nerves. Maybe they don't see life the way I do, but it's I recognize that I am part of a set-apart people purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I have been, that's, that's true so that I'm available to proclaim the excellencies of the one who's done that. That 
friends, is what it means to be available. That's why we are available. Pray with me if you would. God, thank you so much. It's been a good morning for us, and we are grateful for your presence with us. We must always be aware, God, that as you do these kinds of things, you bring, you bring uh, encouragement, you bring, uh, you bring excitement to us. You make us want to say, I'm in, God. But you also use these times to make us realize how our passions have waned, perhaps, how we have decided that there may be some other things that are important in our lives. Or perhaps how we're just saying it's a lot easier when I just decide, here's the good things that Christians do, so I'm going to go do them because I think I should to please God. But we're not really taking personal direction from you. We're not really, truly available to you. In other words, when you come and say, but I want you to go talk to this person, we say, no, no, I'm already doing this other good thing over here. Forgive us, Father. And I have no doubt, because this is what I know from life, I have no doubt that as you have brought us to this message, you brought us to these kinds of ideas, and you've brought us to this idea that we should be available for this reason, that there are opportunities waiting. In fact, many times we probably would even going to call them bumps in the road this coming week, where it may seem like an, uh, an inopportune time. It may seem like a, a, a distraction of some sort, and help us, God, by your grace, to pay careful attention that we are, are aware of the opportunities you're giving us to be available to proclaim your excellency, God. Whether in thick or in thin, good or bad, plenty or little, Paul would write these words. Help us to learn, God, what it means that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that we would recognize that our, 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 our duty, our, our delight, because of our relationship with you, is to proclaim your excellencies no matter what our life looks like. It must be said, God, for that to be possible in our own lives, it takes the incredible, the supernatural working of your Holy Spirit in our lives, in our own hearts. May, may we be among those that today say, we want that. I'm surrendered to you, God. I'm available to you that I may proclaim the excellencies of who you are, of what you've done. Thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning?